you're listening to a Mash Those Buttons limited series. Visit us at mashthosebuttons.com. Welcome to We Are Survivors, a podcast about The Last of Us and The Last of Us, part two. I am Jarrett, but you can call me Ja, and I am here with my friend Bobby Schessler, also known as Blazing Bob. Hey, hey, hey. Yes, in this episode, we are going to continue talking about Seattle day one. Uh, we're going to talk about what happened at the TV station, and then immediately after that, what happens in the tunnels. Uh, going into the theater, and then also talk about Ellie's birthday gift. Before we do that, though, let's just recap what we talked about last time, uh, the first half of Seattle Day 1. I guess technically speaking, it's more than the first half, but it was just so much in Seattle Day 1 that we had to <laughs> break it up into two episodes. Oh, so uh, so it would have been long. Well, absolutely. Uh, so, you know, we did get past the QZ gate in Seattle. We talked about exploring downtown, which was great but it's also a shame because that's the only time you get to do that in the game so that's unfortunate uh we talked about finding uh tommy's trail of bodies in the saravina hotel we finally run across the wlf in seattle and we got to kill one of joel's killers but uh, on the flip side shimmer also died so that sucked uh we escaped the elementary school and we made it through capitol hill and we left off at the TV station. One thing we forgot to talk about, though, in the last episode was that before you get to the TV station, even before you get to the part where there's all the traps, you end up finding Tommy's horse. And the, the, the horse is dead and it's been eaten, but it's also surrounded by dead infected that had been shot. So I wonder if Tommy brought the horse there, left it, you know, while he went to go look around. And then when he came back, the horse was dead and they were eating the horse. Yeah. Cause he, he, I could, he clearly shot them. Well, I would say it, it would appear that he shot them, but I, that's what I think probably happened, but we don't really know. All we know is that we found Tommy's horse. The horse was dead. Uh, there was nothing in the satchel. So Tommy took it with it. And then all the infected around it were also dead. So something kind of important that happens in that air in, in that section is Dina throws up. And she blames it on the smell. But the game kind of pays too much attention to it. You know, not to mention, like, everything in a game is kind of intentional, right? There's no, you know, just extra stuff because it takes time to to, to make that. It takes time to do the voice line. It takes time to do the mocap. It, you know, so stuff like that is always important. And I, I think you could have missed that part if you didn't go over to that area. I think that like, I thought you had no choice to go to that area. Wasn't I don't it? Think you can miss that area. I think, was that the I think second the time you have to take? Was that the second time she puked? No, that's the first time I believe. Okay. See, yeah, I don't remember. I played that that first day um, while I was drinking a little bit late at night. The rest of the game, I played completely sober. But that first day, towards the end of it, gets a little hazy for me. <laughs> How do you remember which day it was? You're always drinking late at night, Bob. No, actually, uh, <laughs> I take little breaks at times. I took I took uh, 
four days off last week, and that's why I was able to stay up so late and play through the game so quickly. Because once I get to a certain point, there's just no point in playing a game where I'm going to need to retain story. So, you know what I mean? Like, so I just was like, well, this is a prime time to take a little drinking break, like right now when I'm going through this game. And the fact that I didn't, stuff was a little hazy that first day. I was like, I don't want that to be the way the rest of the game is. I want to completely take it all in. Well, I'm glad you got your priorities straight, Bob. The, <laughs> the listeners, thank you for that. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, let's. Let's hop into the TV station and, you know, you, you heard, or well, not even, not heard earlier, you got a letter from Leah that w- that went to Jordan. That's the guy you stabbed in the throat and also slashed him in the face. <laughs> um, he had a letter from Leah saying that they were going to the TV station to pick up supplies. So when you get there, you kind of expect the WLF to get th- be there, but it's very quiet. And at first you don't find any WLF, but then you start finding dead WLF. And, you know, Ellie and Dina kind of think this is Tommy again. However, once you get to the main newsroom, you find a bunch of WLF that have been hung and eviscerated. Uh, So they're like, okay, this ain't Tommy. (laughs) You know, uh, Tommy wouldn't do this. Yeah. uh, Ellie was like, yeah, this definitely is a Tommy. And like Dina was like, uh, was this Tommy? She's like, no, definitely not. This is not his style. Right. And you find one of those symbols on the wall that you've been seeing, uh, you know, the ones that are saying, you know, what, 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 what was the, the saying, uh, Oh God, let her see her love, see her love. Her lo- it's like, yeah, you know, feel her love. There you go. I'm sorry. Mm-hmm. Maybe we should be a bit more prepared. I should have wrote <laughs> that down, <laughs> but it's feel her love. Uh, and so you see this symbol and you know, you're going through the main room. Actually th- in this section, I found a little, it's not really a trick, but you can tell if you're in an area where you're going to have to fight. And this is how you can tell in this game. If you hold the run button and Ellie only runs a little bit, no problem. That's not a fighting area. If you hold the the run button and Ellie books it, you're going to be fighting there. Oh, interesting. Yeah, so I thought, because Ellie does run faster when you are in a fight. Like, she just, she books. Like, she's gone. But I thought that was triggered by actually triggering an encounter, not the area that you're in. Apparently, that it's based on the area that you're in. Well, while playing Ellie, there was many times that I was, stealth, I was stealthily killing things, and then shit hit the fan. And I just start booking it and like, I'll find the exit. And then she usually always puts something, you know, to block the exit. So you just basically skip that encounter, which I stopped doing later on because I was like, I'm missing out. Like, you know what I mean? Oh, yeah. I think that I think the combat in this game is actually really good. Like the, the combat system they have is very good to the point that. I hope Naughty Dog, I wish that Naughty Dog would take these, the combat systems from this game and make an action game. Not like an action-adventure game like Uncharted. I mean a flat-out action game with these mechanics because it would be oh. awesome. I'm, oh, I mean, please. even like, 
Yeah, I mean, most of the time I shot people in the face and they just died. But you could shoot somebody in the knee and make them fall to the ground. It blows, like, you know, like with with the shotgun, it blows their leg clean off. Right. Yeah. Like you can wound somebody and keep them down on the ground and stuff like that. I'm like, this is this is a really good system. But uh, yeah, so the, the 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 stuff that you're seeing, the people that are disemboweled, that's pretty fresh. You know that 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 has just happened, and. When you go through the, uh, the the rest of the facility, you do find Leah's body. She's already dead. She's got a bunch of arrows in her. Uh, you also find a bag of hers, and you find pictures of everybody involved in Joel's murder. Like they're all there, which seems kind of convenient, but it makes sense. Like later on in the story, it makes sense while why they're a group together. You know, like why, why why they're such good friends together. So that makes a little bit more sense a bit later on. But you find pictures of everybody, including Abby. But before you can really get into it, on, there's a radio there, and you hear that the WLF is coming to the station because nobody's responding. So they're sending a response team there. So the response team gets there. They see everybody disemboweled. And I think this is the part where they kind of name the enemy and they call them the Scars. And the Scars are the religious fanatics that were that that fedra officer was talking about in his letter we mentioned it last episode uh and at this point you really don't know what they're about yeah actually doesn't it doesn't take too long for you to find something that kind of explains what's going on with them Uh, and they don't explain why they're scott or why they're called scars either but that also gets explained a bit later on they're actually called seraphites you know, and you find that out before they say their name, because if you have subtitles on and you're in the area where they're talking, it doesn't say scar. It says Seraphite. Oh, it's so you kind of find that out early. Yeah, I, if you I don't ever play. On. That was a problem in the first game. The subtitles didn't match up completely with the dialogue. It was a lot of people that, that, come, is correct. that complained about that. Um, the only time I've turned subtitles on in either of those games was when I thought something I had to go through again in that part where Joel is quiet and it like doesn't show what he's saying. I turned subtitles on because I thought maybe it was a bug. They would show. But no, subtitles take me out of it. Like my eyes are just drawn to read it and it really takes me out of game. So it's the first thing I turn off in every game. I turn subs on. I want to hear everything. I want to hear, and you can take you can change them to a certain level. Like you can have only certain dialogue show up. Like you can have every piece of dialogue, even dogs barking or making whining noises, to or just what people say. Uh, we'll see. Final Fantasy VII gave you an option to have subtitles and then names and subtitles, and I was pissed because I was like, the third option that I want is just the name while they're talking. So I could get used to characters and you know what what voices they are, like that would have been a cool feature for me. But it was not one of the two options, right? So you know when you're heading back out, like you now you're back in that area where I said you know if you pull pull the the button down and she starts to book, you know you know you're gonna fight. Now that area has WLF there, and this is actually one of my favorite fights in the game to be honest with you because it's a two floor fight, you know. Mm-hmm. And you have ways to go up and down. It's actually pretty pretty easy. It's also, I think, I think one of my favorite fights because I this is where I first got myself a silencer. Like I finally upgraded myself to have a silencer. <laughs> this is the first fight I used with the silencer. So 
you know, that was pretty cool. I did like this fight. Yeah, that one, though, so. with that gun, like, you have to be, you have to pop him in the head or you have to get three shots in the body quick, you know, and then if it's three shots in the body, your silence are gone until it's upgraded right. to five shots. So that was the, yeah. that's, that's why I definitely prefer the bow and arrow. Well, the thing about this game is I just really appreciated the level design, especially where there were fights, you know, because there are so many different ways to approach it. Oh, yeah. You know, yeah, it's neat. There's so many there. There's so many places you can hide or get uh, get an advantage or there are different tools you can use to throw the enemies off and stuff like that. So I really enjoyed it. However, once you get through that, there are just way more WLF. And I actually started to fight them at first when I would see them. But when I saw that Dina was not stopping, I was like, oh, shit, I think I'm supposed to run. <laughs> you yeah. know, and, and, and yeah, basically that part is where you're supposed to run your way out. You know what it kind of reminded me of? And I don't know why. Have you ever done the E.T. ride at Universal Studios Florida? It is not. I'm sure it's not there anymore. There's no way it's there. I have definitely done that a couple different times in my lifetime. I don't know. It reminded me of that ride in Universal Studio Florida. And that, that's me dating myself. That's that part where like, where like the, where like the cars are like, so you're, you're running, right? And where you, you'll be running forward and then the WF will be there. And so you break a right or you break a left. And eventually you're running into this ditch essentially where the ground is broken up and above the ground, they're driving their trucks close to it. And that reminds me of that ride. Interesting. Because there are parts that I ride with it that, that I don't know. It, it just kind of brought it back up for me. <laughs> uh, but it's actually a really good action scene, I think. Uh, that entire, the TV station is probably one of my favorite areas in the entire game. Was Even it though it's not that long. Was it at our first encounter with, uh, with humans? No, the elementary school was the first encounter with humans. Yeah, Where you yeah, killed? I guess, yeah, I guess you're right. Jordan. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was the first encounter. So but it was kind of small, up, though, right? Yeah, it was. It, it does not take long to do that section. It's a very, it's a really fast section. So you make your way, like you, you, you do escape, kind of, right? You, you find your way into this tunnel. You push down a vending machine, and you block the door. But you go down to this tunnel, which is essentially a, a subway station, and down in the tunnels, they are infected. Like you see infected on your way in. Like you see a clicker through a grate. And you know there's infected down there. But the WLF also follow you down there. And they're also trying to make sure that the clickers don't wake up and stuff like that. So they're looking for you, trying to kill you, and trying not to wake up the clickers. So this reminds me of um Left behind because left behind was the first time that you at you were able to put the two against each other, right? Where there were clickers or they were infected in the same area as there were soldiers or you know, human enemies. So the first thing I did was like, oh, this is easy. Brick window. <laughs> you know, <laughs> and it just made some noise. Like I threw a brick right by somebody's feet, and the clicker is like, as long as you can hide, the clickers will tear them apart. And then the only thing you have to deal with is uh clickers after that. Yep. You know. I I did a lot of encounters. All of those encounters that were uh that were uh both you know infected and people. This one maybe not, but the rest of them I definitely did. I snuck around prior, placing all three of my 
uh, landmines in different spots. And then I'd start the encounter by setting something on fire with a Molotov. Uh. <laughs> and then I would just watch everything ensue and just be like, eh. And then someone would come around the corner and I'd stealth kill them if, you know, they came to my area. But I'd just sit there and just watch the carnage. Yeah, I mean, in those situations, I'll always take the infected over the humans because the infected are just way more predictable. You know, I think they're just easier enemies to deal with. But, you, you know, you get through that area, you make your way down, like, continue through the subway. And you come across a body that looks like it's been uh, burned by acid. So obviously something new is coming, <laughs> you know. And uh, you do a little rope puzzle, and you finally see it. You see the thing that's burning the people, and it's something called a shambler, which this was not what I expected. If you remember last time, at the QZ gate, you find a document, and it talks about the four stages of infection. Yep. Not once does it talk about a shambler. Nope. You know? Yeah, and, and like... We talked about that while while we were doing our play our playthrough, and you were just like, "That wasn't the one I was expecting." Because you found that document, and I didn't. That was one of the few right. that I didn't find, or it was just that hazy day one. You know what I mean? Possibly, yeah. You could miss it. Like it, it wasn't in a place that you had to go, so you you could have easily missed it. But so the shamblers, the one thing I don't appreciate is they give no explanation of the Shamblers, right? I mean, the infection's been around for tw at least 24 years at this point. And, like, they even have it documented, the four stages of infection. There's not a fifth stage of, uh, stage of infection, but yet they have these Shamblers. And I didn't find any document in the game to explain why there were Shamblers in Seattle. Because I can understand if they were only in the subway. Like, let's say there was something in the subway that was mutating infected. Yeah. Right. Some sort of toxic waste and, of some kind. Right. But then again, we know that Ellie, she's not immune because she's special. She's immune because she has a mutated version of the virus, essentially. Uh, which is why they needed to kill her to get that out of her. So, so they can make a, a vaccine based off of that specific strand of virus so there's no tell i mean there could be other mutated strands of the virus out there and that could cause the shambler essentially so i guess that's an explanation but they don't even attempt to even go that way you know when you get through this area with the shamblers they're just like what the hell was that and you're like i don't know and they just keep yep. going about their business i'm like okay i mean you guys are, and i was hoping maybe later on they would explain, like, maybe, you know, and this is before we knew about, you know, what happens after Seattle Day 3. And I feel like everybody who's listened to this has already knows what happens after Seattle Day 3, but I, I just kind of don't want to spoil it for anybody who hasn't. And we can't, know? yeah, we can't really talk about it while keeping me in the mindset of the game currently because right shit changes for me, like, hardcore at that point. And we'll get to that, but... I'm yeah. trying to keep my headspace in this part of the game. Like even after that, maybe like one of those characters could have explained it because they live there, you know. But still, they, like there was there was nothing. So the shamblers are like they ha they're basically like 
they're just like these pretty big enemies that have these pustules on them that basically explode. They grab you and basically just explode acid over you. You can survive an encounter with a shambler. I kind of feel that they the shambler should have been a if they grab you, you're dead. I think that's the thing about the shamblers. If, if they grab you, you're dead. See, you but know? I feel like you already had that. But I don't know. With the dodging mechanic, like grabbing you and you're dead was a lot less annoying in Last of Us 2 as opposed to Last of Us 1. Because you're able to dodge them. These things are supposed to be super dangerous, right? I mean, it's not like a, a regular or a runner, you know? Or even the the stage two, which is called the what do they call them, the stalkers. Stalkers. Uh, you know, this is like you know it's supposed to be a really big threat. So like if I would have understood that if it grabbed you. Actually, the first time one grabbed me, I just expected to die. But then it was like, oh, my health is just draining. Okay, <laughs> so. But yeah, you. My first time, I actually did not fight them. They're super easy to kill, especially if you have the shotgun. Yeah, the shotgun uh, tears them up. Same with right. uh, Maltovs so, and the uh, and the mines, right? So I just stealth around them. You get out, uh, you know, of that area, and then you have a you do see them again. Not, uh, I guess, not that far from there. Uh, but there's actually in this there's a section that has some supplies. And there's actually some pretty important information in this section that I think gets minimized a little bit because this is the only location in the game where they explain the origin of the scars. Later on, you hear about stuff uh, about the scars, right? Or certain people in the scars. But without this document that you find, I don't think any of that really makes sense. So you find a document in the in the subway. It's actually a newspaper clipping and it's like kind of burned so you can only read a certain part of it. But it explains kind of how the scars got started. So apparently 6 months after the uh outbreak, the military finds this neighborhood that has survived the outbreak. Like they're completely okay. They have enough food, they have enough water, they have enough supplies. And the military is like just super surprised that these people survived. And the reason they survived is because one woman, she was like a like a she she was like a doomsday prepper on steroids, right? Like she was she went way beyond what a normal doomsday prepper does. And the reason she did that is because she said she had some type of a vision that told her to prepare. Of the pandemic. She says she had a vision and this is the thing that you can't really like I said, it's burned so you can't really read it, but she says something about divine retribution and this is how the scars got started. Like basically the people that she saved they must, she must have convinced them that whatever vision she had or whatever belief she has, like that was the truth and that's why they survived. The and that's how nigh. the scars got started. Yeah, exactly. So that's how the scars got started. And this is something you could have totally passed by. The, and I think the, one of the only reasons I found it is because there was a locked room nearby. And I was trying to figure out the combination for the locked room. And I was just picking up all the documents I could, I could find. And I found it. 
And actually, the funny thing about this combination for the for this locked room, I thought it was funny because they do not provide the answer for the combination at all in this room. They give you the first two numbers, I believe. They give you the first two numbers, and then the letter like literally says, if you can't guess the rest, because it, I guess it was like from a girlfriend or a wife to a husband. She, it says, if you can't guess the rest of this, I'm with the wrong person. I and remember. that's all it says. Yeah. I remember this. I forget how I figured that one out now that you mentioned it. It, it, was, the, it was the first three, actually. It, it, well, I think because like, it, it makes sense. It was one, five, two, four. Oh, three. yeah. Yeah. It was, a, it was a pattern. Yeah, it was a pattern. Yeah. So it was one, five. They gave you the first yeah, three, which is I got one, it five, the first, two. I got it the first try, and I was like, huh, cool. Yeah, exactly. So, but there is somebody out there struggling with that. Oh, saying, I Fuck guarantee. This game. <laughs> Where's the sheet that tells me what to do? Yeah. So I thought that was interesting. So another thing that you find in this room is a statue, a scar statue. And actually, it's funny because one of the de- things Dina says, because I think it was, it was the WLF, you hear them calling them the scars. And Dina says, I wonder why they're called the scars. So there's a statue and it has a, a scar symbol on the back of it. But if you look at the front and you look at the face of the statue, you can see that it has these lines on the cheeks. Almost like Joker's so, scars. Yeah, exactly. So it has lines on the cheeks and, you know, you just kind of get the idea of like, okay, well, these are cuts on this, on this face. Now, I'm pretty sure the statue is supposed to be of the woman that we talked about. What's not really explained is how she got those cut cuts on her face. Did she do it herself? Somebody else do it to her? What? You know, she's having visions and talking about divine retribution. She's fucking nuts, right? <laughs> <laughs> so she could have did it. She could have did it herself. But uh, yeah, that's you know they kind of you know show that. And l- later on in the game, when you actually see the scars, you know you you see that as well. So uh, you make it a few through a few more shamblers, I think like two. And this is the first time I actually fought them because I triggered them by accident. And I just like put two shotgun shots in the face. I was like, oh, okay, <laughs> you know, that's <laughs> that. And, uh, and they do explode when you kill them. So you just got to give them a little space to breathe. Yeah, it only kills right you after- if you're like real low life, though, too. Yeah, exactly. Even like on the difficulty we were playing at, like it's not they're not that big of a threat. Uh, so right after that, you find, uh, you know, some crash train cars and you need to make your way through the cars to get through the other area. And when you're walking in one, it actually falls down and makes a really loud noise and an infected comes out and starts to beat on Ellie. Dina actually ends up saving Ellie and shoots it in the head and moves it off. But when Ellie gets up, Dina says that her she can see that her uh, mask is cracked. Ellie, your mask. Here, we can share mine. No, no, no! no. Don't what? take it off, Ellie. Ellie! Stop, Ellie! Stop! What? No, Ellie! No! Stop! I'm not infected. I'm immune. I'm not coughing. Do you see? <sighs> Fuck, Dina. Shit. Can you run? Yeah. Yes. Let's fucking go. Go. So 
what happens then is Dina, she's like, okay, we can share my mask. And Ellie's like, no, 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 no. Like, don't, don't take off your mask. Don't take off your mask. And Dina is like trying to fight her to take her mask off. And then Ellie takes her mask off and is like, look, I'm not, I'm not infected. <laughs> you know, I, I, I can breathe. I am immune. Yeah, I'm not, you don't hear me coughing, right? Yeah, exactly. Like, she's like, I am immune. You don't need to worry about it. And then before they get to have a conversation about it, the rest of the horde comes. And there's another section where you have to like kind of run away. And once you get through, you get out through the subway and you get back to the surface, Dina falls to the ground. And Ellie picks her up and she helps her into this theater that's like kind of right there, which is convenient. And they get into this theater and they start to talk. You want to tell me what's going on with you? What's going on with me? Ellie, I just saw you breathe spores. I told you. I'm immune. Okay, you're immune? Come on. I was bitten a long time ago. What the fuck are you talking about? I was bitten and nothing happened. The chemical burn. Maria and Tommy and Joel are the only ones who know. Knew. Now you know. can't get you infected if that's what you're worried about. I can't make you immune either. Can you say something? I'm pregnant. What? Don't worry, it's not yours. <laughs> what are we... What are we supposed to do now? Nothing. I just need to rest for a second. Are you fucking kidding me? How long have you known? was late a few weeks ago. A few weeks? We could have... We could have still turned back. I didn't know. I wasn't sure, okay? I didn't want to be a burden. Well, you're a burden now, aren't you? I'm gonna... Make sure this place is secure. You just rest. So Ellie is kind of like, what's going on with you? And Dina's like, what's going on with me? I just saw you breathe spores, <laughs> you know? Yeah. And to me, I'm like, I don't know why in terms of dialogue, Dina didn't connect it together. Cause Ellie has told this story twice. Now she's told twice. She told her when they were in the weed basement or in the weed lab, that this is what happened. And I would have expected the dialogue to be more like, so you were telling the truth about that. But Dina still doesn't believe her, but it's kind of like, you Dina's, just saw me breathe spores. 
Dude is in shock. I mean, she's never seen some like somebody who's immune. And, you know, we had talked about, you know, we talked about this earlier, but like it's a big thing. Like, I mean, that would freak people out. And right. you would also immediately freak out thinking, well, are they contagious? You know? Right, yeah. Which Ellie talked about in her, her diary like, like way or oh, actually we don't know that yet. Never mind. Yeah. So she she tells her, like, look, I, I can't infect you, you know, stuff like that. And uh, then Dina tells Ellie that she thinks she might be pregnant. And Ellie is pissed. Like, she is upset. She's like, you know, you could have said something earlier. We could have turned back earlier. And Dina says she didn't want to be a burden. And Ellie's like, well, now you are a burden. Yeah, Ellie you know? acted poorly in this situation, extremely poorly. Right. Like she, yeah, she was not happy. And so that, that, that pretty much stops the conversation to her and Dina. And actually after that section, if you go to talk to Dina, like Dina just has her back to you, you know, uh, and, and uh-uh. she's laying down. Uh-uh. Yeah. <laughs> so talk to yeah. the hand. So, there wasn't even a hand. Bob. <laughs> what is not even a hand? It was just the back. Uh, so, you know, after that, Ellie's trying to get power working back in the theater and now you have like another one of these like little side stories that you can follow through the documents and apparently a group of Fedra soldiers were holed up in the theater and, a, and one of them was sick he had a fever and stuff like that so I think like a group like one or two of them leave and go to find supplies but they never come back and eventually this guy gets better. So he wasn't infected or something like that. He he gets he just had a fever for whatever reason, you know, like normal humans do. And uh <laughs> you know, he it sucks for him because he actually ended up dying because he was trying to get the, like I guess whenever it rained, it would mess with the power and he went to go to the roof to get the power reconnected and he blew like he just like yeah <laughs> yeah, a uh, yeah. firm understanding of electricity in a post-apocalyptic world where you have to work with parts that are like, you know, not made to work with other parts is probably something that would be really beneficial because that would probably kill a lot of us. <laughs> I know it was messed up, but when I saw his body, I thought of like Home Alone 2 when Marv gets electrocuted. <laughs> <laughs> That's, that's what I thought of. Home Alone 2 and Marv gets electrocuted and I was like laughing. I was like, but this isn't funny, but it's funny. <laughs> you know, but Ellie, she's able to get the power back on and uh, she doesn't kill herself. But, you know, Dina's still not talking to her. She finds, you know, the actual theater part of the theater. And the first thing she says is like, wow, Joel, you'd love watching a movie in a place like this. That's what she thinks of when she sees the theater. Which is funny. It's what so, I thought, too, right before she said it. Yeah, because Joel was a movie nut. You know, he loved watching movies. So, uh, but what, uh, you know, right after that, I think right after she gets the power back on, she actually finds a guitar and she starts playing the song that Joel made for her. And that triggers a three-year flashback, which is something if you, you know, so I'd imagine you've listened to this series from at least the first episode of this season, 
And we talked about hoping that they had flashbacks in the game to kind of flesh out Ellie's relationship with Joel. And then, boom, we get this three-year flashback at the end of Seattle day one. I know. So, we haven't talked about that either. I was super excited when that hit. Actually, we did talk about it for just a second. But we've tried not to talk too much about anything in the story because we knew we'd be doing this. But I was like, dude, there's a flashback. Yeah. So it does flash back to three years prior and Joel and Ellie, they're out in like the, the woods and Joel has a surprise for Ellie, but they have to travel to it. It's Ellie's so birthday. Of, it's Ellie's birthday. And there's a lot of banter between two. And it's like the old banter that you, you heard in the first game. Mm-hmm. Essentially, you know, it's like if Forrest Gump would say they were like peas and carrots. Yep. <laughs> we was like peas and carrots. Yeah. So yeah, it's they they they're having a back and forth. Ellie's trying to guess what the surprise is, <laughs> and Joel keeps telling her no. Uh, but they did show that apparently Joel taught Ellie how to swim. You I know, know which yeah. is important. Which I talked it's about. Important be- yeah, in the first one, like I was like, I hopefully, you know, before the Last of Us two, Joel teaches her how to swim. Yeah, and it's important because you're going to be swimming a lot. <laughs> later on so uh yeah but they, joel does teach her how to swim uh so you, you do swim around because you do have to like swim under some stuff to get to where they're going so ellie just kind of seems like she's back to normal like you know she, she obviously she forgave joel i guess or not forgave joel but it, it, it felt like she believed joel when he told her that you know what happened right she believed him and just kind of went with that. Uh, and the, you know, the actual gift that Joel had was that he found a museum, the Wyoming Museum, and it has a dinosaur exhibit. So it was funny because she actually, the, I think one of the first things she guessed was, is it a dinosaur? And he said, no. But then they get there, she's like, it is a dinosaur. <laughs> you know, oh, this is awesome. So, you know, she was all excited. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, so Ellie is like, she's still acting like a kid. I mean, she's still, well, she's 15 at this point. She's making, like, joke phone calls. Uh, she finds a mirror. There's, like, a mirror in there that you can, like, make faces and stuff on uh, and have some fun. She finds but, a hat. Uh, she finds a hat, yeah. And then so she tries I think to get Joel to wear the hat, and he won't wear it. Then later she yeah. puts it on his head and says, you have to wear it. It's my birthday. She puts it on dinosaurs. It was cute. Right. Yeah, there are a lot of Jurassic Park references. Like, Joel got the Velociraptor thing wrong. Like, most people do. Most people who watch Jurassic Park think that those are actual Velociraptors. And I forget what they're actually called. Well, what's funny is the first first Jurassic Park had incorrect Velociraptors. They were, like, as tall as a normal man, right? But then the later one with, uh, what's his name, Chris... those uh, are still incorrect velociraptors. No, no, they're itty bitty. Like they're like only like yay tall. Like no, in 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 Jurassic World, Jurassic World, they're like they like come up Jurassic, to like your like thigh. In Jurassic World, they're his height. Uh no, watch it again, dude. He like has to bend. He has to bend. He has to bend down. Like, okay, I mean, I, I mean, they look the uh, same yeah. as the Velociraptors in the first Jurassic Parks, but they're just like one third the size. All right, I'll take your word for it. Listeners, correct us. Correct me. Yeah, like, correct but, ya. 
Yeah, they uh, like, I forget what the name of that actual dinosaur is, but they replace Velociraptor because Velociraptor sounds cooler. <laughs> uh, so yeah, they go through the exhibit. She's having a good time, but there's also a space exhibit there, and she finds like a spacesuit helmet. Actually, you can pick a spacesuit helmet, and you can put it on. And then Joel, I mean, he was expecting it because he also found he found like a tape of the Apollo 11 launch and gives it to her. They get inside one of the hatches and she imagines, you know, having a liftoff. This, yeah, uh, this but, was an amazing part for me because the level, you know, like everybody, the thought that counts is something that's said a lot. But I mean, the thought he had to put into this was really neat. And I mean, like, it's just like, like it, she's hearing the moon like the moon voyage, one of the Apollo liftoffs, and she's hearing NASA talking and like counting it down. And I mean, it was really neat. Yeah, it, this is, I think this is like really the interaction that people wanted to see. You know, they really wanted to see this interaction throughout the game. And I think there's a lot of them were upset that the whole game's not like this. A lot of people were upset that the entire game really isn't this way. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, this was, it was just really nice to have this interaction. Uh, there is another part of the museum that they tried to get into, but the door is locked. So Joel helps Ellie get in. She sees that the door is blocked. So Joel has to find a way around. Uh, so, you know, now this is a dark area. She's moving through it. You hear something, but you find you, you just find out that it's an animal, right? It's like a boar or something like that. Uh, that, that that's what Freaks you're hearing. Me out, but, though. Well, I think that was the point. Mm-hmm. Um, so as you're going through there, you see somebody wrote a bunch of stuff on the wall and they're basically just messages talking about how bad they felt and about the terrible things they had done, you know, and you find, I think you find documents too about them talking about it. But when you get to the, like, kind of like the, the end of the area, you find out that this person was a firefly and the fireflies promised a bunch of stuff for that area and then abandon it. And he was upset about that. So at the very end, you see a firefly symbol that has the word liars underneath it. And Joel finally makes it his way in and he sees that Ellie's looking at it. And Joel's kind of like, all right, well, let's get out of here. You know, we need to make camp before it gets dark, whatever. But looking at this symbol, I think it really makes Ellie she it makes her curious like she wants to know what happened to the fireflies because they haven't heard anything from them right yep so yeah she she i think this is kind of driving her like the way she reacted to it is kind of driving her curiosity and that's something that's going to come up a little later but that is the end of seattle day one and we're going to cut it off here you know we're going to on the next episode we're going to talk seattle day two but what are your thoughts at this juncture, you know, right now? At this juncture, I was extremely happy for the for the flashback for Joel, but man, it made me so sad about just knowing he's gone. And like it was just like what could have been and it made me super, super sad. And I was just I was happy during it, but then when Ellie you know, is reminded of the fireflies. You could see the whole her whole demeanor change, and that's where I was just like, Wah. "What's good? What's what's next?" Because they're obviously, you know, 
right before Joel dies, they're not this chummy chummy. So I just know something's gonna happen later but i'm excited at this point because i'm like oh well maybe i'll get more flash uh flashbacks i've obviously got to get more right right yeah that's what i was thinking i mean like there has to be more flashbacks because they have to explain why ellie and joel were having relationship problems because at this point they weren't like they were good so something sometime between the in, in the last three years something has happened to chill their relationship oh. and they need they need to explain that and also in these parts, the flashbacks is extremely important to read Ellie's diary. Like, yeah, I like. I think a lot of people might skip over that and not even know, but it is extremely important to read them. Yeah, they like the the diary is always something that gives a lot of information about what's happening around her at the time. So yeah, I would definitely and say usually what important. happened a couple days before. You know, like it gives you that. Like, so as soon as like you, as soon as you take control of somebody, after time has lapsed, you need. As soon as you take control of Ellie, after time has lapsed, or you get into flashback, you need to read that diary. Absolutely. All right, so that is gonna wrap up this episode of We Are Survivors. Like I said, next episode we will be diving into Seattle Day Two. I'm. I don't think that's gonna be a two parter. Because after Seattle Day One, uh, Seattle Day One was just really big because of downtown, I think. I mean, yeah. it was just so much that happened in Seattle Day One. So we'll see. If we have to cut into two parts, it'll be the same thing. We'll deliver both parts in, in during the week. So uh, that should be out on Monday, Seattle Day Two. But I'd like to thank you for listening. And if you want to keep up with what's going on with Mashless Buttons and the network, just uh, you can follow us on Twitter at twitter.com slash the mash network. And Bob, why don't you tell them where they can find you? You can find me on Twitter at blazon underscore Bob. That's B-L-A-Z-Z-I-N underscore B-O-B. And you can find me on Twitter at twitter.com slash Damas. You can also find me streaming on our Twitch channel, twitch.tv slash mash those buttons. So if you want to know when we go live, just give us a follow there. Uh, we'd also have to love to have you join our Discord community, mash.gg slash Discord. We do have uh, two channels dedicated to The Last of Us there, one with spoilers and one without. So, uh, you know, be be warned. Be warned. <laughs> uh, we encourage you guys to reach out to us and, you know, talk to us about your comments, questions, you know, feedback. Is Bob right? Am I wrong about the Velociraptor situation in Jurassic World? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you can contact us on Discord or on Twitter, like we mentioned. You can also reach out to us at contact at mash.gg. If you enjoy the show and you want to help us out, the best way to do that is to share the show with others and to rate and review the show on your favorite podcast platform of choice. If you want to take your support a bit further, you can become a patron. Uh, you can you know support us on Patreon which is patreon.com slash match those buttons. You can help support for as little as $1 a month and you can gain early access to content as well as exclusive content. Uh, we do have a Teespring store, which is teespring.com slash store slash match those buttons. And you can also drop us a, a, a Twitch sub if you want to support in that way as well. We would appreciate it. You know, actually any support, we do appreciate it. Thank you guys very much. And I encourage you guys to stay tuned after the show to hear more about match those buttons. And with that, we are out. We will see you on Monday. Next time.
Thanks for listening to a Mash Those Buttons production. If you enjoyed the show, you should check out MashThoseButtons.com and see if any of our other shows might interest you. All of our shows are available on your podcast platform of choice like Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and more. If you enjoy our content, you can help support Mash Those Buttons by becoming a patron at Patreon.com slash MashThoseButtons, where you can receive Patreon bonuses for as little as $1 a month. You can connect with Mash Those Buttons at Twitter.com slash The Mash Network, Facebook.com slash Mash Those Buttons, or join our Discord at mash.gg slash Discord. 